Lehi really loved his family. Despite their constant contention, he desperately hoped that they could reconcile their differences and simply get along with each other. As he called his family together, he gave each of them blessings. Or, in Laman and Lemuel's case, warnings. Would these descendants ever listen to his sagely advice? This is Between the Lines of the Book of Mormon, and we're your hosts. I'm Jay Harris. And I'm Andrew Harris. And we welcome you for hopefully an interesting discussion today. Lehi had landed in his promised land. And unlike Moses, he actually gets to see his promised land. That's right. That's true. And so, as we have discussed previously, Lehi called a family reunion, and at the family reunion, he gave blessings to each of his four sons, and to Ishmael's sons, and to Zoram, and to his grandchildren. We know this wasn't long after they'd arrived in the Americas, because Lehi's son Joseph was still a small boy when he received this blessing from his father. We read that in Second Nephi chapter 3, verse 25. It's interesting because we have these blessings of the different children, and yet nowhere do we read Nephi's blessing. I know. It's kind of sad. Either he didn't get one, which I don't think that's the oh, case. he had to get one. So I think he must have just, for whatever reason, left it out. Either it was so personal that he didn't include it in his writings, or he put his blessing in the large plates and didn't record them in the small plates. Whatever the case, we don't have anything about Nephi's blessing. He did get a couple mentions here and there, usually when Lehi's talking to other people. So when Lehi's talking to Laman and Lemuel, he says, if you'll listen to Nephi, you'll be good. And when he's talking to Sam, he says, Sam, you're going to be blessed with Nephi. It's also interesting that Nephi knew from vision that his seed was going to be utterly destroyed. But when Lehi gave his blessing to his son Joseph, he said an interesting thing. In Second Nephi chapter 3, verse 3, he said, Joseph, may the Lord bless thee forever, for thy seed shall not utterly be destroyed. Joseph was one of the children that went with Nephi and his people. So Joseph was basically grouped in with the Nephites. But reading between the lines, somehow with the final destruction of the Nephite people, a branch of Joseph had to be preserved. You agree? I agree. We talk about the fact that there is still a thread of the Lamanites in existence today, but it's also likely that a remnant of Joseph is still somewhere in the Americas today. Yeah. In giving his son a blessing, Lehi told Joseph, his son, that he had been named after Joseph, the chosen son of Israel, who was talked about in the brass plates. And then Lehi quoted some of the prophecies that this ancient prophet Joseph had made concerning the last days. He not only saw the last days, but he saw Nephi in Lehi's time, too. He knew what was going to happen to them, as well as to Joseph Smith and people in the far future for him. And that was way before even Moses was born. Lehi and all of his family were descendants from Joseph. And he talked about the fact that the fruit of the loins of Judah shall write, the fruit of thy loins shall write, and that which shall be written shall grow together, unto the confounding of false doctrines and laying down of contentions, 
and establishing peace among the fruit of thy loins and bringing them to the knowledge of their fathers in the latter days. Right there, again, we're getting some of the purposes of the Book of Mormon. We get that in the title page of the Book of Mormon when Moroni is explaining why we have this book. But here, way back before Moroni's time, Joseph was prophesying about the purpose of the Book of Mormon, which was going to confound false doctrines. It was going to bring peace to the readers, and it was going to bring the knowledge of their fathers to those descendants. And also, it was going to bring a knowledge of the covenants of God to those people. So, all of these wonderful blessings come through the Book of Mormon. And like I said, that was told to us by Joseph way before. So we have a Joseph, the one sold into Egypt, and Lehi's telling about this Joseph to his son Joseph, and then he's telling us about a person in the future who's going to be named Joseph, who's going to be the son of a Joseph. So there's there's lots of Josephs in this chapter, and it can be a little confusing. I think it's fascinating that as Joseph Smith translated this and would read these quotes to Oliver Cowdery, at some point he had to stop and say, you know, Oliver, I think they're talking about me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be so surreal, I think. You'd be like, am I really reading this right? Like, this is talking about me. Yeah, that'd be fun. And what did he say about Joseph in the last days? And he made a bunch of prophecies about what would happen to Joseph, which are really cool. He made prophecies about the Book of Mormon and how Joseph Smith would help to bring this forth. He says that he would make him great. Which... A choice seer will I raise up out of the fruit of thy loins, and he shall be esteemed highly among the fruit of thy loins. And I will give unto him a commandment that he shall do none other work, save the work which I shall command him. And I will make him great in mine eyes, for he shall do my work. He was basically telling about how Joseph would become great. And as Joseph's reading this, he's like, wow. And he was just a young man at that time. Yeah. The Book of Mormon had not been published. And yet he read these things, and it must have been so exhilarating. He said he would be great like unto Moses, which wow. Moses is considered probably next to Jesus, one of the greatest prophets of all time. And now Joseph Smith's reading this and saying, I'm going to be like Moses? I mean, that would be a lot of pressure, I'd imagine. Yeah. Like I said, it's a lot of pressure, but it's also comforting to him to know that all of this work that he was going to be doing was going to be for a purpose and it wasn't going to be destroyed. And Moses had not been born yet in Joseph's times. He was referring to this prophet who had yet come, who would be this great prophet. Yeah. But he compared Joseph Smith that he would be like unto this Moses, and both would deliver my people, O house of Israel. Yeah. He also promised a wonderful blessing to Joseph Smith. He said, That seer will the Lord bless, and they that seek to destroy him shall be confounded. Behold, I am sure of the fulfilling of this promise. Yeah. As we turn to chapter 4 of 2 Nephi, I want to just talk a little bit about the blessing that Lehi gave to his grandchildren. And grandchildren are special. He said to them, Behold my sons and my daughters, I cannot go down to my grave, save I should leave a blessing upon you. He knew that the sons and daughters of Laman and Lemuel were being taught false things. And so he left a blessing, and he said, I know that if ye are brought up in the way ye should go, ye will not depart from it. Wherefore, if ye are cursed, behold, I leave my blessing upon you, that the cursing may be taken from you and be answered upon the heads of your parents. We realize from that that if our children are not brought up properly, that will be our responsibility for failing to give them the gospel. It's a little scary. 
It is a little scary. And I think it's scary, but it's also important to teach our children and ourselves, each other, these doctrines, because bringing children into the world is a serious task. Realizing that if we fail our children, we're going to be held responsible for that. We're not going to be perfect, but we can ask for help. We can receive mercy and we can do our best. And hopefully through the atonement, those things that we can't do will be helped out by our Savior. In Second Nephi chapter 4, verse 12, it says, And it came to pass after my father Lehi had spoken unto all his household, he waxed old. And it came to pass that he died and was buried. We don't know exactly when Nephi wrote this, but they were in America in the new world, in their new promised land that they were given. And they had had a lot of arguments and things with his brothers and his father had just died. So Nephi was really depressed, I'm sure, about that. And in his deep sorrow, unfortunately, Nephi couldn't turn to his two older brothers for comfort. They had now split off from the rest of the family and were teeming with anger at Nephi and his followers. They would have as soon killed them as comfort them. So Nephi would have had the brass plates, which contained a lot of the Old Testament, the writings of Moses and Isaiah and the Psalms, some of the prophets. Some, even some prophets that we don't recognize their names yes. in the modern day scriptures. Yeah, he had extra, extra stuff in there. But yeah, it was all written in a, a language that most of the people wouldn't have known. But Nephi luckily had a father who had taught him how to read this reform That's right. Egyptian. That's right. It wasn't written in Hebrew, so it was not something that everybody could pick up and read. This was written in Egyptian. And Nephi, fortunately, had been trained in Egyptian by his father. Yeah. So he had these scriptures that must have meant a great deal to him. I think he probably read them often. And they didn't have any other books. Like, they didn't have Shakespeare. Or like, in, <laughs> like they didn't have any kind of Jane Austen or something. <laughs> they, they had the, He had the scriptures. He didn't have a lot of the scriptures that we have today. He yeah. didn't have the New Testament. He didn't have the latter part of the Old Testament. Yeah. He didn't have the Book of Mormon. <laughs> no. And that doesn't mean that he didn't have other things that were keeping him busy, though. He had. They were building a temple. And they were having battles and things. So he had plenty of things that kept him busy, I'm sure. But as far as uh, other books that he had to read, he didn't have a lot. No, he didn't. So he probably read the, the scriptures often. They were probably a good source of comfort. So when his father died and other family members, I'm sure, died as well and tragedy happened, he probably turned to his scriptures frequently and would read those. Yeah, and I think when you go through a crisis in your life, such as the death of a parent, there are a lot of different emotions that flood your soul. He turned to poetry. That's kind of interesting. It really is. He had read the poetry of David and was inspired by that. And so for a certain section of the Book of Mormon, he wrote in the style of David. Yeah. Can we read some of that? This is found in Second Nephi chapter 4, verses 15 through 35 are called the Psalm of Nephi. But let's give you a flavor for that in verses 28, 29, and 30. Awake, my soul, no longer droop in sin. Rejoice, O my heart, and give place no more for the enemy of my soul. Do not anger again because of mine enemies. Do not slacken my strength because of mine afflictions. Rejoice, O my heart, and cry unto the Lord, and say, O Lord, I will praise thee for ever. Yea, my soul will rejoice in thee, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Those are just a few of the verses from the Psalm of Nephi. Aren't they beautiful? 
From what we read, I'm sure that he felt feelings of anger toward Laman and Lemuel and didn't want those feelings to stay. He didn't like those feelings. They weren't feelings of righteousness. So he pled to the Lord to forgive him and to help him that he would no longer harbor those feelings in his heart. His poetry really is beautiful. Yeah, and it's very similar to the writings of King David in the Psalms. It's not exactly the same as any of I don't think you're going to find those same phrases. No. But, you know, if you read some of the writings of Psalms, um, this is Psalms 25. It says, Unto thee, O Lord, I will lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Let them be ashamed, which transgresseth without cause. So there's some kind of similar ideas maybe in that verse, but it's not the same exact writing at all. You kind of see how he takes something like what David was writing and says, I really like the way he worded those things and the way he spoke there. And I'm going to try doing something like that. I don't know what it is about poetry, but it touches your heart in a different way than just reading prose does. Yeah. And I think Nephi felt that and felt a need to express himself. Yeah. And so he wrote these tender sentiments that he had. Yeah. Do you sense any difference between the writings of Nephi in First Nephi than in Second Nephi? Yeah, there's definitely some spiritual things in the First Nephi, but I feel like a lot of it's more story-oriented, like he's kind of telling us what's happening, Yeah, and he, it's all kind of from his perspective as well and his thoughts, but I think in the second book of Nephi, he starts to kind of tell more about his feelings and, and spiritual things, a little more maybe, and more about other people. Like, he tells us about his father's writings, and then he gives us Jacob's writings and things like that. And I feel like he's a little more mature. I think so, too. I agree completely. You'd sense a maturity there that is not quite in First Nephi. Yeah. He'd learned a lot of lessons. And there's even, I think, a sense of sadness in some of it sometimes because of his brothers. He's thinking more about, I think, the people who will be reading his writing as well. Who do you think he was writing for? And I think he knew who he was writing for. He realized that we were going to have this someday. And that the Lamanites, at least, you know, his descendants, the future Nephites and Lamanites who many generations away from him would be able to... um, Be inspired and uplifted. Yeah. And and, it really does that. And be brought to Christ. To be brought to Christ. And he wrote beautifully about his relationship with the Savior and about how we can become closer to the Savior if we follow that example. Yeah. I love Nephi. I think we can find comfort ourselves in reading his writing. I think that poetry can touch our hearts in a way that no other writing can. I just read this verse. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness. That's a phrase that Nephi uses himself. This from Psalms. (laughs) Tender mercies. Yeah, he must have been inspired a lot by By uh, the Psalms of David. I think so too. David is an inspiration to him and to us. And then in our last chapter, chapter 5, a lot of things happen, but it happens really kind of quickly. He talks about how they leave and they go to the land of Nephi, and he talks about the cursing of the people, which in the Come, Follow Me lesson, there's some really good information about that. We know that no one is cursed by the color of their skin. No one is judged by the color of their skin. It's what's on the inside that matters. Yeah. After that time, they built a temple, and they built the city, and they made Nephi their king. And it's kind of funny because in this chapter, Nephi says, 30 years had passed away since we left Jerusalem. But then a few verses later, he says, 40 years have passed away. <laughs> so 
I think Nephi started doing a little less writing during that period of his life. There was a 10-year time span there that he didn't write anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there was wars that were started to happen among the people already. It's in Nephi's lifetime that Laman and Lemuel and his people are already starting to fight with the children of Nephi and his relatives. And there was construction going on, that he had to build a home. He had to work on the construction of the temple. They had a farm, I'm sure, for land or hunt. Nephi was no longer a young man. Scribbling on metal plates was both tedious and time-consuming. Yeah, all kinds of things they had to do to stay busy. He had a family to raise. He had to do all the chores his wife told him to do. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Make the bed, Make sweep the, the bed. floor, <laughs> take out the garbage. <laughs> So now Nephi was the king. He had recorded the patriarchal blessings that Lehi had given to his other family members. He had written his deepest feelings in poetry form. After an extended rest from writing, Nephi would now return to the plates to record a speech his brother Jacob had given. He would copy many of the words of the recent prophet Isaiah, which were found on the brass plates. And he would conclude with his own personal testimony of Jesus Christ, testifying to us of his absolute knowledge of the coming Messiah. Thanks so much. We really appreciate you listening. We're excited to report that we have over 300 individuals that download our podcast every single week. Next time, we'll talk about a speech recorded by Nephi and given by his brother Jacob. We hope you'll join us for that podcast and, of course, continue to enjoy your reading.